0: Hey guys, welcome in. It's Brad with College Sportscast, and we are presented by The (laughs) Fanboys.
1: Jim, this is where I make fun of him. <laughs> he's delayed. <laughs> <laughs> he, still de- he still can't see it yet. And no, no, I still haven't seen it yet. Oh, Told you, this This is the fun part. Oh, here we go. He's about to see. see? There it is. <laughs> 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 <there's>
0: <laughs> It always lags for me whenever I do this. I don't know uh, exactly what the deal is, but we are College sports cast. We have <laughs> a special guest on with us tonight. We have
2: Jim Dunaway from the next round with us tonight. Hey, Jim, how are you tonight? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, apparently, from uh, the history of the show, you'll hear this one on Friday, but I'm doing great. this
0: is this is true yes it does have a little bit of lag when i play that video
2: yeah are you in alabama or are you in a place that doesn't have high-speed internet like arkansas where are you i'm in kentucky actually
0: kentucky Um, okay that's close yeah yeah yeah
1: we're not i'm not tv in kentucky did you yeah you did i did did. i worked in
2: lexington kentucky for for two years, uh, during the Rick Patino years of Kentucky basketball. That was, uh, that was my job was to travel was around and being time. in Kentucky basketball. Yeah. The Patinos, Bombino's and the two years they were not eligible for the right. NCAA tournament coming off probation, but where Patino really built the legacy, um, the foundation of what Kentucky basketball would become under him, uh, was Absolutely. those two years. And it was a fun time there in Lexington. I learned a lot and I learned that. Kentucky basketball fans and Alabama football fans are a lot alike. Yes. Yes. They are exactly a lot alike. I agree with that
0: 100%. I'm a diehard Kentucky fan, been in Kentucky all my life as far as born, raised, bred Kentucky fans. um, And then I I actually moved to Alabama and lived in Gulf Shores for about five and a half years. Um, And so I know a lot of Alabama fans as well, and they are – a whole lot of like i agree with that statement 100 percent.
2: yeah the the one thing i think you you would find is that you have uh fan bases that um, feel like they should be contending not just for the sec championship every year but for a national championship every year uh and sometimes it's you know it can be hard being those fans because you look at other fan bases that find joy in uh, that seems to be very simple enjoyment of the game whether it's a win over a rival an upset of a Kentucky or an Alabama football and they just seem like it's the greatest thing in the world and you never understand when you're one of those fans at Alabama or Kentucky that you're like how come it's so easy for them to enjoy the sport you know making it to the sweet 16 <laughs> or the elite right. and being happy about that Kentucky fans yeah. get upset whenever they would lose and in football for Alabama oh, if you're, if you're not playing and winning a national championship, there's some kind of disappointment. We've lived that uh, our whole lives as Alabama fans in this state, and I'm sure Kentucky basketball fans, especially especially recently under Calipari, feeling a little bit of the same yep. way. You're absolutely right. Um, you know, the last
0: three seasons has been way off of Kentucky standards. It's not even close. So, you know – you're right, Kentucky fans. I mean, we expect to be competing for a Final Four at the at the minimum. You know, at least competing and getting close every single year, and we just haven't been able to be there the last three. You know, not even close the last three years.
2: Yeah, and that's got to be um, hard because it's been it's been Alabama and Auburn, uh, football schools, if you will, that has sort of taken yeah. the place of Kentucky and basketball. And I can imagine how hard that is to swallow. But if you look through football history uh, in the SEC too, there's been times when Alabama, you know, spent the years between Gene Stallings and Nick Saban wondering in the wilderness wilderness. And, you know, eventually Kentucky basketball will be back just like Alabama football always eventually comes back as well.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, Calipari does have a great class coming in for next year and, there's a little bit of hope around now, um, you know, now that the season's over for us and, and, and stuff uh, for next year. But we'll see. You know, you never you never know when it comes to that kind of stuff. You got five freshmen that are – four of them are McDonald's All-Americans. Uh, five of them are five-star kids uh, coming in. And they have a lot of talent, but they'll
2: be young. Yeah, they will be, and it's a talented group coming in. Um, we're six minutes into the show. He makes fun of your internet connection, but John yeah. hasn't said a word in six minutes. I mean, <laughs> we can we can lose his part of the screen here, and you and I can just talk if he's not gonna add anything to the
1: conversation. Hey, <laughs> right now you're talking about <laughs> Kentucky over here to my re- over here to my left and, and Bama over here to my right. And yeah. uh, I will get my I will get my two cents in, but uh at this moment, I mean you guys are just Feeding off of each other, so well. I'm letting it go. <laughs> well, I, I don't. I,
2: I mean, are you? Are you going to talk about the Braves, or what are you going to talk about? We we will to the table will, here.
1: Oh, definitely. Um. Well, I mean, we had some breaking news while you were, uh, while I was in studio today with you guys. Um. We had an Alabama basketball transfer. Yes.
2: Namari Burnett, you mean? Namari Burnett, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he's he's going to Michigan. You know, another blue blood school, basketball right. blue blood to basketball blue blood, Alabama yeah. to
1: Michigan. And I yeah. and, and I mean, I was just really going to kind of talk about just you know the the overall feeling of Alabama season since again uh, you being here in Birmingham and plugged into you know a lot of SEC and Alabama. Oh, I, uh, I
2: mean, it's tremendous disappointment when anytime right. you go in as a one seed, but especially the number one overall seed, I mean, the committee tells you you're the number one overall seed. So if you don't win the right. national championship, then you did not live up to what the committee thought you were. So the fact that you're not playing this weekend in the final four is a disappointment. And for Alabama fans um, who have had, you know, nothing but, you know, unbelievable success over their lifetimes in football in basketball, so many of them yearn for just one trip to the final four, not even a national championship, just a trip to the final to the four. Final four. And, right. and in this yeah. state, you know, it's, it, it's come very few and far between. Only Auburn has been, and they did that a few years ago. UAB started a basketball program in 1979, and by the early 80s, the first class of Gene Bartos at UAB was playing Louisville in the elite eight with a chance to go to the final four in like three years of the program's existence and Alabama took to the thousands before they got even to the elite eight and Auburn made it to the elite eight before Alabama did. So there is tremendous anticipation for that day to finally happen for Alabama and everyone Everyone thought it was this year that it was going to be this year, especially when the tournament started to unfold, and everybody got upset. It just was laid out for Alabama. I'll be honest with you, Jim. Yeah. It was, yeah. it
0: was, yeah. Their region. It was, it was my I I fully kind of expected Alabama to be there this year as well. I was on board with the whole idea that Alabama probably had the best team this year. Um, you was talking about the news of the transfer, so
2: Brandon Miller also declared for the draft today as well. Yeah, but that's no surprise. Brandon Miller right. uh, came in as a one-and-done guy. It'll be interesting to see who else leaves and in this day and age of college basketball. Uh, some of our viewers on, our, on the next round talked about how they, you know, if you hold 50% of your roster, you're doing good. Um, you know, I don't know how many people Alabama will change over, uh, who's being asked to leave, who's being asked to stay, but Brandon Miller going to the NBA – was never ever in doubt this was going to be a one and done no. situation from the get go he's a top 3 pick um and the the bottom line though is um, Brandon Miller was the team's best player. They go 11 deep, but he was their best player and he did not play his best basketball in the three tournament games. He was scoreless. Yeah, absolutely one. not. Yeah. Very average in the second one. And then the third one, really uh, six turnovers didn't score a lot of big buckets, didn't hit any three pointers of value. So it was a disappointing tournament for Brandon Miller. And that sort of reflect how Alabama ended up. Actually, f- talking about a disappointment for Brandon Miller, he actually has
0: the poorest shooting percentage ever for somebody who had 40 or more shots in the NCAA yep. tournament. He went eight for 41, which is less than 20%. It's like 19-something. Mm-hmm. It's less than 20%. It's the worst shooting percentage ever for somebody who
2: took 40 or more shots in the tournament. Yeah, wow. and, and you can you can add to that probably – the um, the worst shooting percentage of somebody who's ever been drafted in the top three of the NBA draft because that's where he'll go. He has that kind of game. He'll be a lottery pick. Um, yeah, but, I expect him to be a Alabama. Top three. Fans, he may be a top. Yeah, yeah, but for Alabama fans, that doesn't uh, that doesn't mean a whole lot uh, because they wanted that tournament success. I don't think he'll go number one or number two overall because of the international <laughs> players and the one in the G League. But he'll be the top college player uh, taken in the draft, in my right. opinion. Right.
0: Yeah, I, I think for sure he'll be a top three draft pick. Yeah, I just I don't so. see. I just don't see it being any different than that, really.
1: Right well, let's now, talk about. Uh, go for it. Go ahead, John. Go ahead. No, John. I was just going to move it over into to uh, spring football. Uh, just what, right. what are what are you seeing with uh, with uh, with Alabama? We're to stay with Alabama right now with uh, with the team this year, quarterback situation um you know moving forward to, to, to next season
2: well you know that's really an interesting question when when you start with the quarterback uh Nick Saban you know a, a guy I've been around for a long long time now uh covering him and had a chance to host his show for many years uh he he occasionally will say words um phrases that are not the same thing he says every year you can almost go back first practice in spring, fifth practice in spring, first scrimmage, first scrimmage in the fall. You can go back and watch those news conferences over, you know, the first five, 10, 15 years, and they're almost verbatim, the same phrasing and the same way he characterizes everything. But occasionally he will say things that, um, that is out of the norm for him. And he did that early this spring. And there are only five practices in of 15, but early in the spring. He said, I like everything around the quarterback position. So the quarterback position development will be huge for the team. But he talked about how much he liked everything around the quarterbacks. And in recent years, you know, with Bryce Young and Tua Tungavaloa and the talent Mac Jones squeezed in between there, you've had such great quarterback play. You've watched the results on the field and you wondered – Man, if the offensive line was a little better, if the running backs, the receivers were a little bit better, maybe this team could do this or that. Uh, Nick Saban seems to be very pleased with the other 21 players on the field. It's that development of the quarterback. And everything we keep hearing is it's Ty Simpson, Ty Simpson, Ty Simpson. And that actually started back in the middle of last year, even though Milro was the guy they turned to when Bryce Young missed, the, missed a game. Most everyone we talked to that we're close to believed that it was a a situation that if it had been more than one game, if it had been two, three, or four games the rest of the season, if Bryce had been hurt that bad, that they would have instantly turned to Ty Simpson. But because it was a one-game situation that Milrow, the game plan, the opponent they were playing, was designed more of a um, – a run option run pass option guy that they could get a victory like they did with him at quarterback, as opposed to throwing a new Ty Simpson in there and, and sort of moving the program to the next era of quarterback. So uh, Ty Simpson was impressive all last year in camp, especially the second half of the season. And it looks like he is the guy to beat as they work through the final 10 practices.
0: Okay. And, and, you know so you know they lost not just young they're going to lose will anderson as well you know um who was basically the heart and soul of the defense last year um of course bama's got five stars galore everywhere so i you know i fully expect them just like everybody else does down in alabama that we were talking about you know to return to form
2: yeah and and, and that is true i mean you're losing another Top five first round draft pick and Will Anderson, uh, but what Will did last year um, was, you know, his stats were not the same. His wow plays were not the same as they were the year before. But that's because he was drawing so much attention on every yeah. game plan. I mean, he was a double team, triple team machine. Um, people uh, were were focusing on Will Anderson. I was really surprised that Dallas Turner did not have a bigger year last year than he had, or some other players, Toa Toa, uh, in them. So. I'm excited to see what Dallas Turner does this year. I'm excited about some of the younger guys. And I'm really, really excited about, you know, who takes Toa Toa's place in the middle and some of the names you hear coming out. Um, That could be an interesting position because replacing Toa Toa's brain will be hard. But I do think that he was slightly undersized, maybe a step slower to play that position at that level uh, that they needed him to play brilliant brain, which helped Alabama defensively a lot, but if they can replace the brain, I think physically they'll have a better linebacking core, maybe sideline to sideline than they did last year. All right. So
0: I'm going to join these two together just for a second between Alabama basketball and football. Okay. Okay. All right. So, and we'll go back to spring football and the rest of some teams and stuff here in a minute, but Nick Saban, made a major statement right before Alabama's last basketball game and uh, basically come on and said no wrong place, wrong time, his comments. That's what everybody remembers hearing just about. And I just wondered your thoughts, and not just your thoughts, but do you think that it had a – did it change Alabama basketball's outcome? Did,
2: did it affect the team, do you think? Uh, I, I don't think it impact, Im, impacted the team. I, I think you're pretty weak if you start looking for excuses. Uh, if, you're, if you're a player and you let outside noise like that impact your performance, that would be a weak excuse to me to say I didn't perform well because of what someone else says. I'm sure there are people – That love to make excuses like that. Those people don't win championships. So, right. uh, The the players like the the next day or two days later or something. So, I just thought I'd ask the question. Yeah. The players, the players said it did not impact them. I will tell you this Nate Oates, when he made that statement, knew it was the wrong statement to make. Nate Oates, it was definitely the wrong statement. Apologized two days after that, after the South Carolina game. The first chance he was back in front of the microphone, he said, Man, that you know that was basically the wrong statement. I shouldn't have said that. Um, wrong place, wrong time was the wrong thing to say. For Nick Saban, that guy is so focused on everything he's talking about, and that's how he disciplines and teaches his players. Is there's no such thing as the wrong place or wrong time. You got to be responsible for who you're surrounded by. But he makes those statements talking about his football program, his players, his discipline, the situation that he was dealing with when it comes to the arrest of Tony Mitchell, I believe it was Tony Mitchell, um, the player that was arrested in Florida. He was speaking specifically to that case with no implication or outside um, direction at Nate Oates. The the thought that Nick Saban somehow was – Upset with Nate Oates for the way Nate Oates was handling his basketball program could not be further from the truth. Nick Saban this year uh, came to more basketball games than he's ever come to. Most of those were after the preliminary hearing that mentioned Brandon Miller's uh, part of that process that night. He showed up at the Kentucky game and the Arkansas game, not sitting in his seats, which are way away from the camera angles, but was sitting with Greg Byrne near the court right next to the bench, where he could be on camera a lot, even walked under the court to shake hands with John Calipari. If Nick Saban didn't like the way the thing was handled by Nate Oates or by Greg Byrne, he would have never put himself in the middle of that situation. He would have never have been the life raft for the program like he was by showing up at those games. So for a lot of the national media who tried to make that as a shot by Nick Saban at Nate Oates, uh, they, they just don't show up and watch Uh, the the way those two interact and they don't show up and watch uh, how Nick Saban came to the games when he usually doesn't come to the games. He's usually doing other things and doesn't come to a lot of basketball games. He was specifically at those games during that period of time to show his support for Nate Oates. Uh, There's no problem between those two guys. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't think there was either. And I agree with you. That's the way Nick Saban handles his
2: program, his
0: players, and I really think it was just him talking about his player and uh, the Mitchell guy that was arrested. But I think a lot of the national media and a lot of the people just kind of ran with it because Nate Oates had said, you know, wrong place, no wrong time with Brandon, um, and probably shouldn't have said that. But, um, you know, so you know. But anyway, since you were coming on and you're close to the program,
2: I, I, I wanted to bring it up and and oh, ask no you problem that. bringing it up. I, I know I had a wonderful time this summer. I had a chance, and a lot of your viewers and listeners may not know this, but I had a chance to uh, host a um, an event for the World Games where we were honoring all the big businesses that had contributed to the World Games in Birmingham, and the dinner was uh, basically a. Uh, one-hour conversation on the stage with me hosting Nick Saban and Nate Oates. So I had a chance to hang out with the guys in the green room. They rode over together. They rode back to Tuscaloosa together. They were great friends, and we had a wonderful time that night. Where we talked about everything, uh, really about both of them growing up, their childhoods, uh, the things they were similar with each other, and uh, their friendships are a lot stronger than um, than than a lot of people try to make it out to be.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and that's the that's one reason why I wanted to bring it up with you on our show and kind of talk about it you know um, for, for us as well because I know you have some insight and that other people don't have so
2: no no absolutely I don't mind the question at all I just wanted to make sure uh, that I gave you the the, the opinion yeah. of, that I had there I, I will Correct. tell you this though uh, did are you asking if you had asked me um, did the did the the incident the murder that happened in January? And everything that happened from that point, did it impact that basketball team? You know, there's no way of telling, but it was a long season. And it was longer when you have off the court issues that are going on. It's a long basketball season anyway. I right. mean, UAB plays tonight. Uh, they're 29 and nine. So, yes, 38 games. So you're talking about your right. 38, 35, 38 games. Uh, right. When you, when you, it's a long season, you're together for a long, long time. And when you have that incident going on, it's a wear and tear on a basketball program when you're away from that, when you're away from just the X's and O's and the winning and losing, having to deal with that. So yeah, there is a chance that that could weigh on a team over a period. And I don't, I don't don't really comments did. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't, but I don't think throughout the season, John and I, you know, and a few guests, we've talked about the, this incident, the murder incident that happened and everything. And during the season, I didn't really, you know, I kept saying I haven't seen any signs that it really affected them on the court. Now, you know, the way that they played in the tournament, did the wear and tear and everything of it, you know, did that have an effect? You know, I can't say that for sure for for any reason whatsoever. But, you know, it is a long season, and there was a lot of stuff going on that they were having to deal with.
2: Well, I mean, there are some facts. I mean, Jaden Bradley uh, never regained his talent, but he also had a small injury to an arm that could have infected his shooting and such like that. So, But he was never the same player uh, that he was at one point in the year. And he obviously... Was at the scene, uh, according to testimony that night. So he was never the same, uh, and Brandon was erratic uh, down the stretch. He was more erratic after all this became public and he became a focal point than he was before that. So that's right. those two things that you can just look at the stat sheet and say, all right, those two guys who were, you know, mentioned in that preliminary hearing, uh, they did not perform as consistently as they did before that.
0: Right. Right.
1: Now I agree. I'm- I'm I'm getting ready to switch again. We're going to be end up switching, going back and forth between basketball and football. But we did we did have a football question where you were talking about quarterbacks and talking about you know that the, the plan or that that Ty Simpson was the one that that uh that seems to be kind of leading the race or or, or ahead of the game right now. Um, talk about the new coordinator Tommy Reese and the job that he's got you know, the work that he's got cut out for him, and then uh, just what kind of development or what 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 you see in or what Saban sees in Tommy Reese at Alabama. Well, I,
2: think, I think the best thing Tommy Reese brings to the table is the ability to get Alabama um, to the next level of uh, their next chapter of a style of play. They were a team that grew from a very um, physical uh, not that they were run-only. They threw the ball a lot when A.J. McCarron was the quarterback. Uh, they threw the ball a lot uh, with Jake Coker and uh, you know that national championship year. But when you eventually got to Tua Tungvaloa and then to Bryce Young, uh, between that, Mac Jones, you had such a great receiving core and great quarterbacks that you get away from some of the uh, DNA of what Nick Saban believes in. Uh, enter Tommy Reese, who's a guy that's going to bring uh, to the table, um, you know, more of a tight end into it, maybe more of a physical running game. Still throw the football a whole lot because you have a talented quarterback and some talented players at the receiver position. But I think you will see a lot, a lot more of a running game and an offense that resembles more Jim McElwain than it does Lane Kiffin. It'll resi- it will be more Jim McElwain uh, than, say, it was Steve Sarkeesian. And for some Alabama fans, that will uh, take some getting used to. Uh, but if you remember what it was like in 2011 and 2012, uh, you probably will like that. But they're not, they're not going to shy away from throwing the football. That's just what football is nowadays. But uh, this team has struggled in recent years to line up a third and one and just get a yard. Uh, right. sometimes and that wasn't the case in 2011 2012 2015 during those championship years and they're going to get back to being able uh, if needed to get a third in one or a fourth in one situation and they're going to build that in and the character and the DNA they're going to put that in the recipe and cook it up here this spring and have it ready to go next year and that's what Tommy Reese brings to the table um, he is more uh, as I said, Jim McEwane than he is more of the recent guys. And he's young, so he's a great recruiter. And to me, that's where Nick Saban always starts with his assistant coaches. You have to be great recruiters and then great on the field, but you got to be able to recruit first. And Reese uh, is really good at that. He's not too far removed from the game. He's a really well respected guy who develops quarterbacks. He's exactly what Ty Simpson uh, would need being developed. And I don't know how many people know this or not, but. When Reese was at Notre Dame, he was the main recruiter – wait for it – for Ty Simpson during his high school recruitment, trying to get him to come to Notre Dame to be the quarterback at Notre Dame. He All spent right. a lot of time going to visit Ty Simpson, watching Ty Simpson's high school games, built a relationship with him. So he already has a pre-developed relationship with Ty Simpson, uh, which is going to you know, sort of fast start their uh, relationship. Right. Absolutely. Yep.
1: And then uh, in our chat here, we've got uh, Anthony Weeks, uh, who has asked the question: What do you think about Garrett Riley's offense and uh, uh, install that what he's going to install over at uh, at Clemson?
2: Well, I, w- I would say two things about Garrett Riley's offense for, or, the, or the hiring of him at Clemson. One, I would say you know good for Dabo because Dabo went outside of his immediate circle uh, to try to make Clemson better, which is is yes. uncharacteristic yes. of Dabo um and he's trying to you know bring some fresh thoughts and blood into it the other thing i would say though is max duggan the reason garrett riley looked so good last year or was it really garrett riley's place how many times did max duggan go braveheart and lead that <laughs> tcu team to victory and just run through, this is true. The, uh, run through the enemy and try and try to lead tcu to victory so Klubnick, I think, can do that. I think Klubnick's a better quarterback than Duggan is, but Duggan had a hell of a year last year, and uh, he was able to um, make Garrett Riley look good. I mean, it looks fine and dandy that you got a Riley. Uh, Lincoln's out at USC, so Garrett Riley looks like he would bring, you know, a lot of good knowledge and X's and O's, but I'm not ready to crown Garrett Riley a fantastic offensive coordinator yet uh, because he did it with Max Duggan, and I've seen other coordinators and head coaches look good with a – player who has a special year and then they go on to not be the person that uh we thought they were going to be
1: right yes i just yeah. wanted to to throw that one out there just because we do have our our we do have a, a little bit of a clemson following over here so we wanted to make sure that we did touch well, i'll on tell you I, I grew
2: up in alabaster which borders pelham so the sweeney's and i go way back uh, to summer league baseball <laughs> and when Dabo was in tuscaloosa we've uh we've been friends, we text occasionally and I, he does a tremendous job. Um, and you know, it's unfair to say that Clemson, you know, they're to be questioned that their program has fallen off. Um, is, it's fair because it was so good, but you know, degrees of falling off is what we're talking about here. They, Dabo and Clemson are getting the same treatment that Alabama gets, right? Because they were at the same level with Alabama. So, Okay, Alabama hasn't won a national championship since 2020. What's wrong? Right. You know, Clemson hasn't won a national championship since 2018. What's wrong? Oh, my God. We haven't won a national championship in four (laughs) seasons now. What is wrong? Uh, Everybody can't win one every year. There's other people that's got to win one. Uh, Everybody's. Oh, God. Can Ryan Day coach? Can he win the big one now at Ohio State? Ohio State's been pretty good. They just haven't won a national championship since 2014. Ryan Day's never won one. I don't know if he's going to win one, but he's a pretty darn good coach. All of a sudden, Jim Harbaugh's winning. Uh, Everybody can't win. Kirby Smart's got a machine going. He's won back-to-back and can be the first guy ever to win three in a row. But, you know, the Dabo's program is pretty good at Clemson. He still recruits really well. I wouldn't be worried about it if I was Clemson. No,
0: I agree with you. Since you brought up Kirby Smart, uh, you know, at Georgia – so, you know, what's the outlook, do you think? They've lost a ton of players to going to be to the NFL the last two years. They did go back-to-back. Back. They're losing Stetson Bennett. Um, you know, what What do you think the outlook is? Is the perception of them
2: being the, the number one team next year, is that fair, do you think? Uh, oh, yeah, it's absolutely fair. I mean, they, they are what Alabama was in 2011 or 2012 or pick a period of time since Nick Saban's been there. When you look at it on paper, who else are you going to put number one if it's not Georgia? And you're going to talk to me about losing a quarterback in Stetson Bennett. Well, how about I tell you they got a quarterback that's more talented than Stetson Bennett. Now, does that mean they're going to win a national championship? It doesn't. Stetson Bennett won two of them. Uh, The next guy may not be a, a national champion. I will tell you, Mac Jones won a national championship as quarterback. One hundred percent. I mean, you can pull one hundred people and they will tell you Bryce Young was a better quarterback than Mac Jones, but he has zero national championships for it. So Joker. you can you can improve at that position. Right?
1: right. And
2: and still not be national champions. So I actually think Georgia is going to have a better quarterback than Stetson Bennett. But are they going to have a, you know, just as good of a secondary? Are they going to have just as good of linebackers, an unbelievable defensive line? great running backs, great offensive line, a receiving core that's functional enough to win the national championship. But Georgia's going to be there. Uh, we, we're playing one more year with the divisions, with the old schedule. That, that schedule for Georgia this year is easy peasy they've got they've got 11 12 wins without even really sweating this thing you can book them in atlanta uh the tennessee's taking a step back there's nobody else in the east that's going to scare them kentucky may be better with liam cohen back shane beamer's doing a wonderful job at south carolina they're still building at florida Georgia will be in Atlanta. The question is will they be there 11 and 1 or will they be there 12 and 0? But either way, they'll be there and they'll be playing for a chance to go back to the college football playoffs. We'll just see who's there against them. Will it be LSU? Will it be Alabama? Can Texas A&M get it right? Who else could it be? Um but Georgia will be there 100%. I agree with you that I think Georgia
0: will be there in Atlanta. That's for sure. So let's talk about John's team for just a minute since we're talking about spring football. Who is John uh, Steen? He, he's he's an Auburn fan.
2: Okay, all right. <laughs> well,
0: he, I like he's this. an Auburn. He's an he's an Auburn alum as well. I always say fan, but he's an Auburn alum. But you know they they hired Hugh Freeze, and uh, I don't know if you have gotten a chance to speak to him or know anything about what's going on with the program since they hired Hugh. But, uh, I just wanted to bring it up and see what your insights were for Auburn football. What?
2: Well, I haven't talked to Hugh since he's been at Auburn, but I hopefully have a golf date uh, with him coming up here in May, a dinner, and then the next day play a little golf with him. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, But I am friends with a couple of uh, the boosters that are helping Hugh get things going down at Auburn. And the first thing I'll tell you about Hugh Freeze is that he will improve the roster at Auburn, which is needed. That roster had slipped down to where other than Vanderbilt, you probably – couldn't find a weaker roster of of personnel in the SEC um than than you had at Auburn. So you you just didn't have the the Jimmies and the Joes on that roster that compared, I mean, you're talking about trying to win a championship or winner division or go to a major bowl game when you're having to play the likes of Georgia and Alabama, uh Tennessee and, and and LSU and Florida and all these people that haven't had the recruiting the coaches who have uh, sort of lacked in the recruiting um, circles the last few years. Auburn's roster had deteriorated down to a very, very bad spot. And that's Hugh's first job is to come back in and to build that back up. And he took a lot of great strides in the portal on replacing the offensive line, which is a great place to start. I still feel like they will will look and find a quarterback at some point uh before they get to uh, summer camp fall camp and uh, get ready for the start of the season i'm still not sure the the quarterback next year is is at auburn right now uh but if it is if it's Robbie Ashford or or Gerner or even Finley then uh we will we will see what Hugh can do but it is a it it is a uh, a situation where i think auburn dodged a bullet on uh on Lane Kiffin i don't think Lane Kiffin would have worked at auburn um Hugh Freeze is the kind of guy, as uh, Neil McCready said on our show, uh, Auburn's one of those places, a special place where you need to mingle with Auburn people like you see Bruce Pearl do. do. you got to yes, be able to ignite the Auburn fans and the Auburn boosters and have them all pulling in the same direction like Pat Dye was able to do uh, back in the 80s. And Lane Kiffin would have never done that. Lane Kiffin is a guy that doesn't like to go, as Neil said on our show, and like the like the Christmas tree in the town square or go hand out donuts and pizza on finals day to all the students like Bruce Pearl does. You'll see Hugh Freeze doing that. Neil famously said on our show, Hugh not only will like the town square Christmas tree, he'll go every to every house on the street and like Christmas trees. If you want him to, he's, so a team, he's a team builder and that's what Auburn needs. And Hugh Freeze is perfect for that. He'll build the infrastructure up. He'll get the recruiting right. Uh, and then he's a dang good football coach, too. He calls a great game. Uh, he's uh, he, He's got a good offensive plan. He's good with quarterbacks. He's built a really good coaching staff. Um, but the guy can recruit. Uh, he'll sell the mamas and daddies and get those kids he, in there. He and can definitely recruit. End. He can. And that's where it's all yeah. at. And, you know, I think Nick Saban would even tell you that, that uh, at times um, he and his organization um, – they are they. They may not have been the best X's and O's coaches over the last fifteen years, but they've been dynamic at recruiting, and that's where it starts. If you go to battle with the best players, you got the best chance of winning. You've got to coach them up after they get there, and Nick and the staff does a great job with that. But you got to have great players if you're going to be a great football team. So you got to put a premium on recruiting, and Hugh Freeze will do that.
1: So, so, so what you were talking about with that, with 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 the Auburn. Uh, head coaches um doesn't matter what sport it is because of what you were describing is that once you're done at Auburn as a head coach, you can then immediately go right into politics.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's been done. That's been done. It's been done. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, it's, but, but I'm not but, a. But big, that is not- who they. I'm a big Tommy Tuberville head coach fan. I'm not a huge Tommy Tuberville yeah. senator fan yet. He's got to prove something. To well, him. I didn't yeah. say that it's yeah, but I, but necessarily yeah.
1: your side. I was just yeah. saying what like, well, they. I, yeah, I agree with that. Love.
2: Yeah, I'm not firing up the Jets, trying to replace him as senator yet. But I, I'm hoping somewhere in the in in his term in Washington, he's got a he's got an undefeated season coming. Maybe he can get Jason Campbell on his staff up there. Um, but I, but I would tell you that uh, what what Auburn has right now with Hugh and Bruce and Butch uh that's probably the best three coaches uh at the same time they've had in my career and I've been doing it since 89. Uh I think it's the best in line of the three coaches they've ever had down there. Uh they've had, you know, a good a good baseball and a good football coach before um bruce is probably their first good basketball coach they've had cliff was good for a bit but then maybe football was lagging or baseball was lagging to me this is the best auburn has been in all three sports for a long time the question now can you keep them all can you keep them all happy and can you keep everybody pulling in the same direction i think the next five to ten years is going to be really special for auburn
1: right and i I I agree because i i've watched that you know, for a long time. And I do agree with that statement right there, that this is the best that it's been in a long time. For all Well,
0: Jim, I'm going to run off of something you said. You said you thought Auburn's um, – the players, the, the, you know, had fallen off probably more so than anybody but Vanderbilt. But uh, Florida the last year too, has lost a lot of talent and doesn't have the kind of players and talent that they have had as well. Um, you know, they had a first-year coach last year, and I just wanted to kind of, uh, you know, talk about where you think they are going to be in the East, kind of the last year of the
2: East. Well, I mean, Florida is in a, a probably for Florida a low period of time as far as their roster as well. But Billy Napier is switching over the entire roster to uh, his style, so it's sort of a transition time getting out um, Dan Mullen's players and bringing in Billy Napier's players. But remember that team was really really good in 2020 and they played alabama as close as anybody during that national championship season that team in 2020 was in the sec championship game and if we were in an expanded playoff uh florida would have easily been into a 12 team playoff and uh, if they'd have won that game that night it would have been interesting to see where they would have been in the college football selection process uh so they're not too far removed from having a better roster uh than say auburn has had over the last few years it's it's been a beat since i think auburn's been really really top of the sec good um but for Florida, there was a lot of remember, transfers though yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and that's what yeah. you got to live in and live with and billy napier yeah. approaches things a lot different than dan mullen dan mullen wasn't as big a hard ass as billy napier is billy napier is cut from the cloth of dabbo sweeney of uh, nick saban having worked right. with both of those guys and he's trying to build um, a program put in his foundation. If you go back to Alabama's first year under Nick Saban, uh, there were a lot of players that didn't hang around or were not asked to hang around after Nick Saban got to Tuscaloosa and they didn't have the portal. They'd had the portal back then. I, I can only imagine what would have happened that first spring when Nick Saban got to town, uh, after Mike Shula, if, if there had been a portal where you could leave one time and play somewhere else, I just, I don't know how many people would have hung around in Tuscaloosa because <laughs> uh, right. it was, it was <laughs> night and day and that's what it was with Billy Napier and Dan Mullen. So to see so many people leave, that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, but I will tell you that I believe that Billy Napier has a long, long time in Gainesville. If uh, Scott Strickland will stick with him, um, I, I, now, you got to get quarterback right, and they're going to roll the dice this year with Graham Mertz. So that'll be interesting to see what happens with Anthony Richardson going off to the NFL and looking like he's going to be a first-round draft pick. Uh, but I don't think Anthony Richardson was his, his style of quarterback. doesn't really fit what, what he wants to do, and it'll be interesting to see if Graham Mertz does. Uh, but you're in the East, and right now, to me, I would put Georgia at the top. That next line below them, I would go Tennessee – Kentucky, South Carolina, probably in that order this year. Maybe Tennessee, South Carolina, Kentucky, and then we get down talking about uh, Florida a little bit. And that's where uh, that's where you know, if you're a Florida fan, you don't like being in that conversation. If it's not no, you and you Georgia, don't. then you're out of whack a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And Kentucky's, you know, um, had the, had their number the last couple of years, at least uh, for a change. Um, as a Kentucky fan, that's a change for me, which is good. And
1: yeah.
0: with Liam Liam Cohen coming back, um, you know, there's – anyway, at least in Kentucky, at least for right now.
2: Well, I mean – and I can't remember his name right now, but the offensive line coach who came from Kentucky to Alabama. Um, he, he's been tremendous. Nick Saban – yeah, Nick Saban loves him because yeah. he's, you know, recruiting, you know, athletic 300-pound, you know, offensive linemen. He's coaching him up and getting back – uh to more of a physical style of offensive line play which is why he's a good offensive line coach. Absolutely. And and Saban absolutely loves him. So and he's yeah. a good recruiter too. So that's uh yep. that's been a win for Alabama and I think that's where Kentucky fell off a little bit last year. I didn't think their offensive line uh, looked they the same. It didn't look like Kentucky's offensive line like they've looked over the last two O-line coaches they've had there. It'll be interesting to see if they get back to that. Um that style of play and if you get a little bit more protection, I think you got a quarterback that'll quickly make you forget Will Levis, and I think Devin Leary from NC State is a guy that can, you know, can make Kentucky look really, really good this year. Oh, I
0: agree with that, and and the offensive line was definitely the major problem last year, um, and kept Levis, you know, was was injured and hurt and playing hurt most of the season because of all the sacks and the beatings that he took from the poor offensive line play. And you're exactly right. Eric Orford went to Alabama,
2: and that was a major key uh, for the reason why. Yeah. So you tell me, uh, do you think Will Levis is an NFL quarterback? Yes,
0: uh, I do. Yes, I think Will Levis is an NFL quarterback. He has he has all and all the tools. Um, I I do think that he's a little bit of a gunslinger, um, and uh, but I don't think that that is. Um, something that will hold back. I mean, there's been gunslingers like Brett Favre and, and people like that that's been in the NFL for a lot of years and I kind of think Will Levis on the football field has has that mentality yeah
1: I've heard I've heard a lot of I've heard a lot of that that he's been you know more compared to like a Josh Allen and Josh Allen took a few years before he got to where he was where he's at now it didn't didn't happen overnight and I wonder if that's Something that, that that whoever gets Will Levis will will be patient and do something, and and it's really hard to be patient if you get them in the first round or in the, the first few picks. Of the that you kind of he's working with Jordan
0: out. Palmer. He's working with Jordan Palmer right now, and Jordan Palmer is one of the best uh, you know uh, quarterback coaches that there is. So we'll see we'll see if he can get him, uh, you know, straightened out just a little bit, and 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 you know. Not qu- have quite so much of that gunslinger that I like to call it, uh, you
2: know, mentality because, yeah, uh, it, it, th- it, that's, it, that's that's it, kind of what he has. The NFL is such a funny game, and it's funny that you know, you as a Kentucky guy really think Will Levis will do it, uh, in the NFL. Me as an Alabama guy, I I had some doubt about Tua to Tungavaloa. There's no way I thought Mac Jones or Jalen Hurts and I don't really think Bryce is going to be great either. Meanwhile, all four <laughs> of them are going to be starting next year yeah. in the NFL. Jalen Hurts yeah. was an MVP yeah. and was in the Super Bowl and probably should have won the Super Bowl. I never know. I'm, I'm I did like, like Mac Jones. Quarterback. Yeah. yeah, I did
0: like Mac Jones, and it really didn't surprise me that uh, Jalen has turned out to be a good quarterback as well. I was a little surprised by Tua. Uh, the way he's played in the NFL, uh, I was uh, I was a little surprised by him. But uh, you know, now Bryce is going to be there pretty soon, and I'd say, like you're right, all four will be starting pretty soon,
2: I would think. And who knows? Maybe uh, after this XFL run, I haven't watched one down of the XFL yet. But everybody tells me AJ McCarron looks good, so he does. Uh, maybe AJ, maybe AJ gets another shot too. He does look good.
0: I've actually watched a little bit of it. He does actually look really good. I actually made a post today, or shared a post today, about AJ McCarron. He's doing. He's got like sixty-seven percent completion percentage, fifteen touchdowns.
2: He's doing well in the XFL. Yeah, I'll have to go back and catch some tape on that. That'll be fun to watch. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, while we're while we're talking right now, I've been uh, kind of keeping up with the uh, the UAB North Texas it's just uh started and north texas has started out with a uh they started out with a, a 7-0 run it is now 10 to 2 north texas uh over uab early on in the game um i guess we can jump right in you talked to jelly walker today um out there in in uh in las vegas so what are your thoughts on on uab and north texas in the nit championship and just conference usa as a whole with everything that they have done and, and accomplished in these tournaments
2: well i mean you're asking me with uab down eight already that what i think of the game uh <laughs> that seems like that's unfair well, it's
1: not looking uh, it's not looking good but you know it well, doesn't mean that it can't flip
2: hopefully there's still probably what i don't have it on but it's probably 36 minutes left to go so maybe they can rally back uh, yeah. and close the gap i I listen. Conference USA has had a wonderful uh, run here in the postseason, uh, but I'm not going to come here and uh, on here and sugarcoat it. I don't think the NIT should exist. I don't (laughs) think the CBI should exist. Um, We put 68 teams, we're about to put 90 teams uh, into uh, the NCAA tournament when we expand the tournament again. Uh, And that's going to happen sooner rather than later. you know, it's a nice run for UAB. If you end up getting in this tournament, you might as well win it, I guess. But, um, you know, the fact I'm doing your show right now and I'm not glued to the TV shows you my interest um, in, in the NIT. I just don't, um, I don't see the point of it. And, um, you know, I guess it was big in the 50s or the 60s, um, but I'm an Who old was? guy. I'm an old guy, and it's never been that important to me. And I've seen Alabama go to New York before and I've seen UAB go to this point a couple other times before this. And it's, you know, it's always a weird feeling like how can I be really this excited about this when the other guys are in Houston getting ready to play for the national championship. Um, It's nice. Everybody compares it to college football bowl games so I guess if you know if UAB wins tonight and it's like winning the Capital One Bowl back in the day or the Peach Bowl, then uh, then that's a good thing. Um, but you, so you, you, if, if you want to make it a positive, okay. So Andy is Andy Kennedy's building something at UAB. Uh, right. They were in the tournament last year as a 12 seed. They got upset or uh, they lost. They were not not upset. They lost the game like they were supposed to, but they were in the NCAA tournament. And they battled FAU this year. They split regular season games and then lost in the conference tournament championship game. And FAU's in the Final Four. So UAB's a good basketball team. And yeah. if, we, if they had been in the NCAA tournament, who knows how deep they would have gone. Um, they could be what Florida Atlantic is, and that's a team playing in the Final Four this weekend. But the system we have and the way we did it, they weren't. And they're playing in the NIT tonight. I hope they win it. As for Conference USA, it's, you know, It has never, you know, never, never, never in this part of the Conference USA history uh, been a good conference to me. Uh, When it stopped being uh, the conference that had Louisville and Cincinnati and Marquette and DePaul, it stopped being a great conference to me. When UAB was in that conference and it was built to be a basketball conference and it had Marquette and it had Cincinnati, who was number one in the country at the time with Kenyon Martin and, and Bob Huggins, right. and you had yep. Rick Patino right. at Louisville. <laughs> And, and I mean, DePaul. I mean, that was great basketball there, and uh, UAB fit in great with them. Them, and that was a good conference, USA. When it all fell apart, and you started getting directional Texas schools in UTSA and UTEP and North Texas, and you lost, uh, you know, some of the others, and you bring in the old Dominions and and all of that, in the Florida Atlantic and the FI. I, fiu it was a it became a bad football conference it became a bad basketball conference i for the last three or four years was praying that uab would go back to their original place which was the Sun Belt conference which plays tremendous football it plays pretty good basketball but some of your viewers and listeners may be old enough to remember that back in the 70s and early 80s the Sun Belt was a two bid league almost every year. Sometimes three bids in it. The VCU West, used to Western, be yeah, Western Kentucky VCU yeah. used to be in that league. Uh, South Alabama used to be really good. UAB <clears throat> and Gene Barto uh, would yeah. would throw throw uh, teams into the tournament. Um, so you can you can make a league better. I'm excited about them moving to the American. But as they move to the American, the AAC, there goes Houston leaving. There goes Cincinnati, Cincinnati. leaving. Um, so you're taking basically a lot of Conference USA and moving it to the American. You'll still have Wichita State. You'll have Memphis and some other good basketball programs. So it will be better, but it's still not the league I want it to be. And honest to goodness, I'd give it up. If I, if I was in charge of, of UAB athletics, I would have taken a bid from the Sun Belt over, over the American in a heartbeat. And I know I'm the only person standing on that mountain. But I, I love where the Sun Belt is right now. I love where the Sun Belt is.
1: Hey now now you did talk about the uh, the 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 trifecta of Auburn's coaches with Butch and Hugh and and uh Bruce Pearl. What about UAB's trifecta of coaches between um, the three coaches that they have right now?
2: Well, well I love Casey this, Dunn at U right. the baseball. Uh, he was right. a guy who caught at Auburn and as that was a high school legend Sammy Dunn actually he was the coach of one one of the rivals I played at Thompson. He coached at Vestavia. So in my playing days, Sammy was the guy we were always trying to beat or be like. Um, so Casey's a great coach. He proved that at Sanford. He built that. So he'll get UAB going in a really good direction. To be honest, I don't I don't know a lot about the AAC. How competitive that league is. Um, I know you know the Southern Misses uh, of the of the 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 old uh, Conference USA played some pretty good baseball, but right. where they're heading, I assume they'll still be good baseball. Basketball, I love Andy Kennedy. Uh, football, Trent Dilfer, Dilfer, I don't know yet. Yeah. Um, and I know it's easy to like the guy because he can talk well and he used to be on TV and he ran <laughs> right. the Elite, Elite 11 and he won a Super Bowl. Um, but he, they lost 21 seniors, 21 seniors. That was a veteran team last year that underachieved. When Bill Clark had them, they were winning championships. Uh, they were always competitive. Um, right. Then you turn it over when Bill steps away right before the season and your coordinator takes over, and they underachieved last year. Don't, no two right. ways about it. That team should have won or contended for the, the conference championship. Now you lose all those players. Trent's a sexy name. Can he recruit? Can he keep things going? Um, time will tell, but to me, when you, when you lose tackle to tackle, every offensive lineman who played most yeah, of the downs tough. in three years <laughs> that's a tough place to start that's right and, tough. Yeah, yes it, yes, it, it is, is. Yeah. and you've you got a great run the running yeah. backs will be fine but right. you lose tackle to tackle and a lot of other players all over 21 players um it's a it's a tough tough place to be and oh by the way you're you're heading to the American uh and right. it's going to be a little a little juicier in the American. Right. Yeah.
0: Well, right. so Trent, you're talking about Trent Dilfer for, for just a second. I mean, he he should have quite a bit of recruiting ties, you know, doing the Elite 11 and doing the stuff that he's done before in his past. So, um, you know, that I would think that would help him on the recruiting side.
2: Yeah, I, you're right. He should have a relationship with some high school coaches around the country. Right. Um, and, you know, quarterback, I don't worry about because I do feel like you know, you can sell yourself that I was an NFL quarterback and I can show you my Super Bowl ring. I got it right here. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, the Elite 11, I'm friends with all these guys who ran through the Elite 11. Now now do the other 21. Can I put together a coaching staff? Can I, you know, build a staff to bring in players to UAB um, to do that? And, and I will tell you that program – um, has come you know light years from where it used to be. The facilities are fantastic. They will fit in in this new conference really well. The home stadium is fantastic now. Um, I just worry about you know this hire and whether or not Trent Dilfer can um, can can make this work. And especially this this first year, it's not my question isn't how good can this team be? It's how bad can this team be this year? And if he if he has them six and six, some people may gripe and moan about that. To me, I would say, Whoo, if I'm a UAV fan, if that's as bad as gonna it's gonna be six and six, yeah. we're in a good place. If we're seven and five or you know, eight and eight and four, whoo, what a great job. Give him conference coach of the year at that point, yeah, move into yeah. a new league. And losing that many players, transition and coaching's and coaching staffs, um, you know, if you're bowl eligible this year, he's done a heck of a job. What about four? What about four wins? Then, then all of a sudden, you're like, okay, how can I stop from this becoming a trend? How is this not? uh, How can I keep it from being four wins the next year or three wins the next year? You don't want to go back to where UAB used to be or where some of the bottom dwellers are in conferences because very easily. Uh, On the recruiting trail, especially moving to a new league, you can get the reputation of being, you know, i.e. the Vanderbilt of whatever conference you're in, and you don't want to be that, right? Right. Right. I mean, kentucky understands that one when it comes to <laughs> you know and, and i think everybody's had their turn in the barrel <laughs> where you've been near, near the bottom right right you don't want to be there it's just how long are you going to be there and right in uAB you know it'll cycle around they'll have a bad year at some point you just don't want it to turn into um what what defines you as a program now that you've built yourself into such a great place
1: right uh since we were yeah. talking um uab has caught up they have now taken the lead in the under-12 media timeout. I believe yeah. it is 15-12 UAB. So oh, they have, that. Uh, yeah. Imagine <laughs> yeah. that, basketball,
2: Imagine. a game of runs. How about that? Yeah. yeah. Imagine.
0: <laughs> hey, so, Kennedy's uh,
2: done a good
0: job there, that's yeah. for sure.
2: Yeah. And you, t- you look at what Andy Kennedy did at Ole Miss and, and Kermit Davis, who came in, who is an excellent basketball coach. And see the numbers he put up compared to what Andy did. Andy did a wonderful job at Ole Miss. He they did. just didn't. They just kept missing the tournament just a little bit. They were so close, one game here and there. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, it, and if if Andy Kennedy was at Ole Miss doing what he did back then in this SEC, because remember when Andy was there, we struggled as a conference to get three bids, to get four bids. Right. We weren't turning out eight bids. Uh, Andy Kennedy would have been in the tournament almost every year in this SEC with this reputation. The problem with Andy was the rest of the SEC sucked too, so his wins didn't count as much as the wins you get now. The fact that Mississippi State was in the tournament, albeit a play-in game, um, you you had Missouri in the tournament, you had the other teams from the SEC that were in the tournament this year. Andy would have been a tournament team every year at Ole Miss if the rest of the league had been as good as it is right now. Right. I
0: agree with that statement because he he always had Ole Miss hair almost every year, you know, just outside of it. Um, I think he made it maybe once or twice while he was there to the tournament, um, but most of the years he stopped, out. Yeah, he was really good in the NIT. I
1: was about to say, he's an NIT yeah. guy, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, that's where
1: he's now. <laughs> right. Really <laughs> good DT. For that, Yeah, he did. That's, that's right. what I was
2: doing. I set you up for that I one. Set yeah. It up.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you did. Look, Brad. If you don't know. Yeah, you did. Jim he's here really drives, drives, the, drives the bus. He drives yeah. the bus, and he's able to drive it right where he needs to put it. He can park yeah. it. Yeah. You know, that's what. That's right what a good point guard does. I that's set right. You up that's there. right. That's right. He set sets it up. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. But uh.
0: All right, so I want to talk to
1: you about the final four that's coming up. Now that we've kind of had some UAB stuff, but um but talk about you know some of the, the everybody else, the rest of college. Um more of a way too early picks. Okay. For, for um, the, for,
2: everybody seemed to be breaking up there, or maybe yeah, I was breaking up. So up I there. think so it was it went everybody. Yeah, that wasn't a great question or what. Yeah, your question is uh, uh, college football playoffs next year. I'll, I'll yeah. run through. I'll run through who I think the uh, the contenders are from the major conferences. Okay. Um, yeah. I still think. I still think from the ACC, it is Clemson. Though Florida State is coming, right? Um, but I still think it's Clemson. But well, I'll keep an eye a little bit on North Carolina. But I'm not as sold on Drake May as most everybody else. Uh, yeah. We'll do the other conferences uh, before we get to the SEC and the Big Ten. Uh, In the Big 12, I think it's wide open. Uh, I have a feeling that Oklahoma and Texas will decide it this year after a great year uh, by TCU last year. I expect TCU to fall back. Um, Losing Garrett Riley and Max Duggan, I think, will be an impact on TCU a little bit. Uh, So I think it will be a Texas and Oklahoma type year. Uh, They're out in the Pac-12. Washington took some steps forward. But I think USC is the team to beat. And uh, we'll see if they can put the players around Bo Nix at Oregon, uh, like they did. Utah still going to be pretty good, but I think it's USC the team to beat. Uh, in the Big Ten, I would watch out for Penn State. Michigan's been yes. good the last two years. Ohio State is one of the big three. Their roster is better than everybody else's. But Penn State's going to improve at quarterback with their new quarterback. The guy who's been there the last few years um, was very Bo Nix-like. But the yes. kid that's coming in – I think is a actual better quarterback. They've got a great running game with two good running backs back, unbelievable receiving core, old school Penn State defense uh, there. And um, in fact, it it will not shock me. It's hard for me not to pick Ohio State. Um, But if not Ohio State, I'll go Penn State ahead of even Michigan this year uh, in the Big Ten. And in the Southeastern Conference, you start with Georgia, and then you ask the question, if not Georgia, then who – so, if not Georgia for me, you go LSU, Alabama, Texas A&M because those three are the better rosters. Tennessee, I think, takes a step back a little bit mm-hmm. because of the receiving core, which was fantastic last year, and a little right. bit of the offensive line. Though, Nico Amelieva is a guy that I think will end up being the quarterback, but Joe Milton's arm, arm is tremendous. Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't worry about Josh Hypel when it comes to calling plays and having uh, great schemes. I just don't think their receivers will be as dynamic like they were last year. And I think all you have to do is look 2020 Alabama to 2021 Alabama or 2022 Alabama and just see how those receivers declined a little bit and how that can impact you even when you got a great quarterback. Right. Um, I'm not sure Ole Miss is going to have the year they had last year. Uh, getting back to nine wins will be tough for them. Uh, Zach Arnett is in a tough situation because he can't play Mike Leach's ball in Starkville, so I don't expect a lot from them. Hughes building at Auburn. South Carolina has done tremendous things, but I just don't think they can get to the point where they're contending. Same with Kentucky. Great for Kentucky, but not enough to get into a playoff conversation. So if you ask me right off the bat here, I would say USC is in uh, as the Pac-12 champion. I would say big 10 champions in Ohio state and or Penn state, uh, sec champions in, I would say Georgia or LSU. And then the other one will be either a second sec team or a second big 10 team. So my four right here, subject to change, I (laughs) probably would go USC, (laughs) USC, Ohio state, uh, Georgia and Alabama, uh, in the college football playoffs.
1: There
2: we go. Can't it really go wrong like, with that one. I mean, yeah, that sounds like a, sounds fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that sounds like four pretty good teams this yeah. early. But, you know, LSU is really, really good. They are. They, they are, are going to yeah. be good. Yeah, they are. They are good, and they were in Atlanta last year, and I expect them to be better. Um, but for some reason, I just, you know, maybe I'm too close to the forest to see the trees. But I, I don't think Alabama's done yet. Right. Yeah, I don't
0: think I don't think Alabama's done yet as far as being at the top. I, I I really don't. As long as you got Saban there, you got a chance.
2: Yeah, but it'll be interesting. Yeah. It'll be interesting because you know I do think bringing Bobby Petrino in the College Station can help solve some issues. Uh, he's a tremendous coach. I want to see how that relationship plays out. Uh, but Brian Kelly's a great coach, and uh, he will get one uh, sooner rather than later. And uh, you just you just wonder. You know, is it possible that maybe it's it's LSU and Alabama that LSU and Alabama have such a great year that you know whoever wins the SEC championship game that the other team from the West that didn't go uh, is in there. Well, but the But see what it is. This is the last year of the four, right? It goes to twelve right. after yeah. this, and then that's when it really gets interesting. Yeah. So we we're we're part of the
0: the fanboys, and they a lot of them are from South Carolina, so there are a lot of Clemson fans, and that and you know we're, what we're doing here. Presented by and uh, so quite a few people that think the Clemson might, you know, with Garrett Riley and and uh, you know, might be able to get there this year.
2: Uh, well, they'll be in the conversation, think. you know. I, I think the key, yeah. the key there is going to be, you know, if you lose one game, um, and, is and the ACC good favorite. enough? Is the that's ACC right. good is, enough? Yeah, yeah, that's it's right. USA
1: basketball, there you yeah, go.
2: and and that's <laughs> and that's not fair, and that's why I'm looking forward. To, to going to 12 because I'm a big fan of automatic bids. And I'll tell you why I'm a big fan of automatic bids. I, I think there are times when your conference, you know, maybe isn't the best of the conferences and your champion, you know, needs that automatic bid to get in there. But there are times that your conference is so good that you're going to beat up on each other and sometimes you get left out and and you don't get to be in the playoffs because, your conference may be so deep that the, your conference champion had two losses. So I like going to twelve, and I like the automatic bid, knowing that if I win the ACC, then I'm in. I'm in the playoffs. If I win the SEC. My only I'm thing in the with playoffs. the
0: automatic bid, and we talked about it this year, because you looked at some of these things this year. So the Big Twelve uh, championship game was won yeah. by a three-loss team. So they had the three game. losses. Yep, win the game, so, it, eats up, it eats up a spot. Know, a
2: three-loss be- three team getting that automatic bid—you're okay. It doesn't bother me at all because what we're going to do is we're about to get rid of the divisions. Now they didn't have divisions there, um, but but I, I think we saw TCU and the way they handled uh, Michigan and won that game. That if you get into a playoff, then then you know even the team that lost your conference championship game. Uh, can still do some damage in the playoffs. So I think TCU would have still been in last year, in my opinion. Uh, And Kansas State would have eaten up a spot. And that's why there's a value on you winning the conference championship because that guarantees you a spot in. If you're just – playing to be a wild card team, to be your second best team in the conference, you may get bounced out on championship Saturday because there may be upsets all over college football. So you better win your conference to guarantee your spot in case there are three lost teams. We're okay with it in the NFL. you know. We're okay with it in other sports. So that doesn't scare me away. And what we're doing, we're getting rid of the divisions. So it's going to be the best two teams in every conference that will be playing for... Those conference championships, and now what's going to happen is I think it's going to really water down the conference championships because in a lot of places, and like the SEC and the Big Ten, I think those two teams playing for the conference championship most likely both of them are still going to make the playoffs. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that, especially your yeah, you I, know, SEC, Big Ten, you know,
2: yeah, Big Twelve well, yeah. even probably. What's the old saying about our legal system? Right you You'd rather let uh, two or three guilty people walk than to convict one innocent person. I'm that way about the automatic bids. I would rather you know, have a three-loss Kansas State in a playoff every now and then when it happens as opposed to leaving out a good or a great one-loss or two-loss team just because they were in a tough conference. I'd rather have those automatic bids win that conference championship and guarantee – because who's to say, you know, we as SEC fans, we always say we're the best, right? We're the best. And the Big right. Ten fans think they're the best. But who's to say at some point that the Pac-12 wasn't so daggum good this year? I'm not saying in reality, because I never think this, but what if they were <laughs> so good that that they that they really did play really good football out there and they just beat it? Maybe they had four good teams and they beat each other up and we didn't put them in the playoffs. I think having an automatic bid in it gives the Pac-12 a chance to come and improve themselves, or the ACC, or the Big 12, and then one of the group of fives. I mean, look what FAU's done this year in basketball. I didn't think they would right. do that. I I looked down my nose. At well, Conference but USA you can do you can do the automatic bids a little easier when you got 12 teams instead of four. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. You couldn't you couldn't do it with four. There was no way. Well, with That's 12 right. teams, you can. You could have done it with eight. Probably could have done it with six. But you definitely could do it with twelve, and that's why I'm excited about twelve. I don't really want to go more than twelve, uh, but I I'm sure either. you know somewhere eventually we'll go, we'll go more than twelve at some point. You can count on it. We'll be at sixteen. Uh, yeah. Who knows after that? I don't know how much further we'll go, but twelve is good. I was happy with sixty-four in basketball. Uh, I don't want more. I don't want more in basketball. You was talking about him yeah. going to ninety.
0: I don't want more in basketball.
2: Yeah, and <laughs> and it's going to happen. I mean, and what's going to happen is. You know, we're going to have a whole full day of games on Tuesday, a full game day of games on Wednesday, and feed all those teams into the bracket, into our normal bracket for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah, but that's so. still
0: the same thing. You're just giving these people a play-in bone, just like the play-in bone. You know, the games now. I mean, you're the, You are. know, that's all we it are. is. We it are. Just-
1: completely wiping out production for America in that entire week, as opposed to just Thursday. I mean,
0: it's just, you're giving them a bone. You're giving them
1: a a playing bone is all you're doing. And that's what what it will be because you you
2: do. And your point is, is that somehow we've got to, and, and this may sound silly, but somehow we've got to keep that one sheet bracket of 64 teams that we all fill out. Um, yep. that every, you know, yep. people that don't watch basketball, don't watch sports, Jane in accounting, Tony right. over in shipping. They don't know anything about sports, but damn it, they want to put their, they put their <laughs> $10 into the bracket and pick teams by who, which mascot would beat up other mascots and which color. Right. And you know, somebody probably Joyce from up in accounting <laughs> who had a friend who went to FAU probably is winning your bracket. Yeah. She had FAU in the final four, Right, but that it makes Billions of dollars in our country, and the brackets not going to go away. So you've got to figure out a way to keep that sixty-four team bracket going on Thursday. And the only way you're going to do that is the play-in bone, like you said, Tuesday and Wednesday. So
1: one, 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 one quick question about that. Yeah. Okay, so um, it it's been that a lot of these, you know, different entities offer up a million dollars for a perfect bracket with the sixty-four team bracket. When you have ninety teams, do you think that purse goes way up? Well, I mean they could they
2: can they can make it a bazillion dollars. Yeah. I mean the chance of getting it perfect we've seen and, and you're right. Um yeah. we actually pay insurance, we pay insurance right. to uh to guarantee you know protect ourselves yeah. when we have the million dollar bracket. Right. So if it ever happens, some insurance company will be paying that million dollars. Right. But you know, we debate every year you know, should we even pay the insurance? Cause it's a few thousand dollars. Should we even pay it right. or should we just roll the dice? Yeah. And every time we end up paying it, cause we don't have the, you know, what to, to lay it on the line. <laughs> okay. One year we don't pay the insurance. It'll be, one all of a sudden it'll be like chalk. Right. Everybody yeah. one that's supposed to every win year, four right? ones in the championship. Yep, yep. Right. Yep. And um, <laughs> that would be what happened. But we debate every time. Should we write the check for X many thousands of dollars to buy the insurance? And we do it every time. We always debate it. We're like, man, why don't we just save that? You know, because it's a pretty chunk of money. Why don't we just save that money and and uh, right. not even, right. you know, just let's all let's all take a thousand of it and go to, go go to the beach or something. <laughs> right. Let's
0: talk about the <laughs> final four real quick. Uh, so we got four teams left. It's definitely not the four teams that we all thought it would be. Um, I think maybe UConn. Some people would have there out of the four teams. Um, but outside of that, the other three teams that's there with Florida Atlantic, San Diego State, and Miami, um, I do not think most people uh, would have would have put in their bracket. So, uh, what do you think about how how the the tournament's been and
2: what the Final Four looks like? Well, it's been it's been chaotic, like the regular season was. I mean, um, I did have UConn in my Final Four, but I had you know Houston and UConn playing each other, and I had Alabama and Duke playing each other. Uh, which, by the way, would have been a really exciting final four, and I would be talking to you from Houston tonight, and not from Birmingham, yeah. <laughs> and I would have been really excited about that. Uh, right. but the tournament is what it is. It's, it's it's it. You know, I love the upsets when they happen. When they don't happen to your team, um, and I, but I, I and this is going to sound weird, I like the upsets in the first round. I like the upsets on Saturday and Sunday. But when we get to the sweet sixteen the next weekend, Um, I sort of like it to be the good teams. Yeah, the the big boys. Uh, I do too, actually. I sort of like, yeah. And I like and I know what you're gonna say, you're gonna say Jim, Alabama's not one of the big boys. I know we're not usually part of that party, but this year you were Alabama was one of the big boys. And I wish that, you know, I wish we had, you know, when we got to the sweet sixteen, I wish we had sixteen of the greatest teams in the history of basketball, and I wish we had some of the quote-unquote blue bloods in Houston this week, and I loved it last year. I'm not a Duke or North Carolina fan, but I, I sat on that my couch and I cheered and watched the spectacle. It was those two fan bases that hate each other so much, knowing what was on the line for Coach K. It couldn't be better. You can't tell me that if we ever get to a playoff that Alabama and Auburn are playing each other or Texas and Texas A&M are playing each other in a playoff. Or Kentucky and Louisville in basketball. I remember the yeah. first time they got faced up with each other in the NCAA tournament. I do, I do too. Listen, I was a I, kid, I but I, was I didn't there. grow up. You're right. I didn't grow up there, but my God, I watched it because I was like, oh my God, yeah. Kentucky and Louisville are about to play each other in the NCAA tournament. The I've got to watch this. Yeah, you know, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've got to watch it. Got to watch yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, that's what I love about college sports. I mean, I'm watching. Uh, I'm I'm not a huge college baseball fan, but I'm watching Texas and Texas A&M the other night because, you know, it's Texas and Texas A&M. That's what I show up for college sports about. And when it's the final four, I enjoy, I enjoy the big boys playing. I will watch it. I'm not going to be one of those guys that says, you know, I'm not going to watch it. Yes, the ratings will be down. Those stories will be bogus. Uh, they will be true about the ratings, but it'll be, you know, there'll be people screaming, Oh, college ba- basketball is in decline, blah, 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 blah. It's just going to be down because it's not North Carolina and Duke or Kentucky. And Kansas. And Last and year, those. Kansas was yeah, there too. Right. You know, you yeah. had
0: North Carolina, Duke, yep. Kansas. I mean, come on, you know? So
2: yeah. it's, it's fun, but uh, you know, truthfully. And I think a lot of people feel this way. I'd like it to be my team and then three other blue bloods, <laughs> right? And then that right. way you feel like, oh, look who I'm now, hanging now out with. Now you feel with. legit when you beat yeah. them, right? Hey boys,
1: how are you guys? You feel legit um, when right. you beat Right, yeah. But it's like, That's I right. want the best like, team, Like Auburn. I want the like, best team, Like Auburn,
2: there. when they went to the final four. Auburn, you know, where they run through North Carolina, they run through Kentucky. They get there. You look around. Oh, Hey, there's Tom Izzo, Michigan state. Yeah. Oh, Jim Nance is over there talking to Virginia and oh, over there talking to Texas tech, it felt big because Izzo and Michigan state was there and Virginia has got some history and they were there and, you know, Texas tech was sort of new money as well, but it it felt big because of who Auburn had beaten to get there. And you sort of, you know, you sort of like it when those guys are there. Well, speaking of the big big
0: ones. So South Carolina and Caitlin Clark is against Iowa. Um, and to me, out of all the semifinal games in the final four this weekend, if you ask me, in my opinion, the one that I'm looking forward to the most is Iowa, Caitlin Clark versus Leah Boston, Don Staley and South Carolina.
2: And I, and I yeah, know, well, you, I mean, it does if. it, no, no, no. I'm watching it. I, I yeah. got it got it circled to appointment television for me. And, and, and I know what you're saying. Even the men's semifinal game, that's the bigger game. Because what you have is you have a dynasty in South Carolina, and, yes. and they are what they are what Gino and Yukon was, they are what Pat and Tennessee used to be. And back right? when I was a kid, what Louisiana Tech used to be. This is a dynasty that Dawn has going on at South Carolina. And it's Caitlin Clark, who is the what appears to be the best player in the country right. and it seems like a one person show against the dynasty and it will be great television you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of larry bird and little indiana state who all uh, the only thing those other kids did at indiana state back in 1979 they inbounded the ball to larry bird <laughs> yeah. right yeah right. especially when larry would stop his dribble they would pass it to somebody else, and then somebody else would give it back to Larry Bird. And Michigan State had Magic Johnson, but they were a better team. Right. That's what this is. There's Caitlin Clark and four people that are going to inbound the ball to her, taking on a dynasty in South Carolina. I think South Carolina will win it because the team is better than one player, but she is fun to watch. So Caitlin Clark does have a center and a, and a big girl that's in there
0: that that she feeds and gets a lot of assists to. Uh, but I agree with you. It it is Caitlin Clark's team, and you know it it, it reminds you of that one person team that sh- she does have a few other players that helps her along the way because dishes out a ton of assists as well. Uh, Caitlin Clark does; she yeah. is just really, truly a special player. And I'm just really interested to see how she does against lining up against Don Staley's and her dynasty, in South Carolina and Boston, and and that bunch because. Like you said, I mean, you know, more than likely, Don Staley is on our way to another you know, national championship right now. They're undefeated. Yeah, uh,
2: you know, and, and I and I think Don would be a great. And we've thought about this a couple of times over the years, whether it's with Gino at UConn or Pat at Tennessee. Um, I to coach the boys at some, po- at some point. Uh, you know, I'd love to see some team say, you know what. Dawn Staley is good enough to come lead my program yep. and, uh, you know, um, and I'm not saying at South Carolina, I'm saying anywhere, just yeah. say, all right, so let's go get the best coach available. Yep. And, 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 uh, you know, I think Dawn Staley is the best coach available. Let's go get Dawn Staley and see what, see what she could do with our men's program I think so interesting too. to see what she could do. I don't know if she would do it or not. Um, and I guess for some people it would be insulting to even ask her, you know, why, why would I want to go coach the men? I'm coaching the women right now. I, I get, you know, there's, there's great satisfaction and great merit in coaching the women. And I understand that. Um, but I, but I think Don's Don Staley, there's certain people, right. Don Staley is one of them. I think Gino to some degree was one Pat summit. hundred percent was one Nick Saban is one. There are just certain people that I don't, I don't care what the sport is. I think that person could go coach, another sport and still be just as successful, mm-hmm. right? Surround themselves with people who may know the X's and O's of cricket or the X's and O's of ice hockey or soccer and still go out there and uh, and still win, motivate people and lead people uh, to win championships. And I think Don Staley's one of those people. I think Don Staley, you know, could assemble a coaching staff and be a great football coach. I think Don Staley could assemble a, a bunch of, you know, president, vice presidents and such, and be a great CEO of a company. Uh, She is just a leader. And those people, it doesn't matter what they're doing. They're going to be successful. Right. (laughs) I just wanted to bring
0: up the girl. I I didn't know, you know, he was talking about the Blue Bloods and stuff. And this year, the men's program, men's basketball, you know, it's kind of went the other way. And, you know, you're looking at the final four and it's just, you know, I've etched that game to watch. So I wanted
2: to bring that up. Yeah. And, and, you know, if it's, if it's, if it's South Carolina and LSU, uh, cause Kim Mulkey can coach as well. I mean, that'll be a heck of a national championship game on Sunday for the women. It will be, it will be. It's
0: a, it's a very interesting, uh, final four for the women. I think, um, I'm, I'm excited about watching, um, The women just as much as the men, maybe just a little bit more this time because of, of, you know, the Alabama Alabama didn't get there, which I thought they were going to. And, uh, you know, you don't have UCLA, you don't have, you know what I mean? Like, you know, there's just some teams that uh, is kind of missing, you know, from the, uh, you know, as a Kentucky fan, you know, we're we're always looking for those blue bloods, you know, I guess if, if you're. A Bama fan, you're kind of the same way.
2: Yeah, absolutely. But you know, it's it's going to be April in two days, so it's football season down here. Right, <laughs> right, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> exactly so another you know how i know that because i have a countdown it's 149 days until week zero Uh, okay i I, I keep that that's a running thing on my show every day Mm -hmm. tomorrow will be 148 days until
1: week zero that that countdown starts the day that the national championship is done and then all of a sudden you've got the countdown going (laughs) all right it is 180 days until, you know, or whatever it is.
2: And then, in fact, I can tell you tomorrow's 108 days until SEC media days in Nashville. So it is, uh, we're, we're a football show and we count down to, to football season. So uh, Basketball was a great distraction, but we're now trying to figure (laughs) out a quarterback at Alabama. Well,
0: speaking, (laughs) well, speaking of your show. So John sat in with you guys today in studio and uh, I just wanted to, uh, say thank you for that. You know, thank you from College Sportscast for allowing John to kind of sit in and and take in your your guy show the next round and uh, maybe learn a little bit of something. I'm not sure.
2: Well, <laughs> I, I don't know where we send the bill to babysit him as long as we did it for three hours. Dayca- daycare is not cheap, man. Uh, so we, we babysitting for you for three hours today. Uh, but he came in and he was taking notes. I mean, it really. Uh, he, he really reminded me a lot of the, uh, the Tik app. I felt like he was stealing our information all day long today. <laughs> I was, I was
1: just walking in and just going, yep. Taking that idea, taking that idea, yeah. taking that one. If, if I watch we're this right.
2: show in a year and you guys have a lot of our same look, uh, we had to frisk him on his way out. I was afraid that he, uh, he'd walked out with some, some cameras and some microphones
1: and stuff. Uh, we're, we're just going to be like you know, the, the round after next, that's, 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 that's our title. We're the round after next. You know, next.
2: we, we, worked hard on that name. Um, <laughs> Go uh,
1: for
2: it this. was really a funny, funny story. Uh, our producer, uh, Sean Henniger, rock star, his wife, Nancy is a, um, is a marketing major and we um, we sort of surprised our old bosses and we left terrestrial radio. And so we left on July 16th. Um, was when we walked out the door and we had a very early meeting and our target date to go on the air, build a studio, find a place, build a studio, order the equipment, blah, 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 blah for August the 16th. And in between that, we were going to do some uh, recorded podcasts and video casts for sec media days. But the first live four hour show is going to be on August 16th, which was a tremendous amount of work. And while we were doing all this other work and ordering and finding space and this and that, uh, we had to come up with a name of the show because our company would not let us take the round table with us. And so we were coming up with some bad names and we were just going to be, you know, lieutenant D&B, which was our initials. We were just going to be Dunaway, Brown, and LT, which was bad. Um, I've got a list of some of the bad I mean, ones got, we came up you with. Got the,
1: you got the DBL media group, right? so you
2: yeah gotta, yeah double down, double down which is the name of our media group yeah. so we had launched that first and that's dbl dunaway brown and lance uh dbl double down media is what that stands for which was our llc but we needed the name for the show well nancy uh sean's wife says hey um let me uh come in and do a pitch to you guys a presentation and we were renting out uh office space and a uh in a conference room. So we were like rolling our eyes, but my God, it's one of our core guys' wife. We got to listen to her. She (laughs) comes in and, you know, she says, okay, it's five, five points, five sections I'm going to make here. And we, you could almost hear the whole room roll their eyes at the same time. (laughs) Like, Oh, we thought this would be like five minutes. This sounds like it's going to be 50 minutes long. And, And it was about 30 minutes and she goes through the process and, you know, people are looking at their phones. And she's trying to figure out, you know, trying to teach us about marketing, blah, 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 blah. And we get to the last one and she goes, okay, the last thing is, it's called blowing the holes in it. I'm going to write a show name up here and we're just doing this as an example. And I want you to tell me all the things you don't like about it. And she wrote it down the next round. And we were like. Okay, that's it. All right, end of the meeting. And she's like, "No, no, no. That's just an example. Tell me why you don't like it, and then I will go back and we'll start working on names." And we were like, "No, no, no. That's it. You the like it? Round. We yeah. love it. Yeah. yeah. We we're like, yeah. The next round of drinks. Next round of drinks. Next round of golf. Next round of the tournament. Survive in advance. Right. The next round of uh, boxing. We love it. The next it's round. The next. And, uh, the
1: next round of whatever it is it ended, of, the right? of your and, show." And,
2: she had the logo and everything ready to go and it all happened like that. So Mm -hmm. it was a, it was a Christmas miracle, if you will. And we, we, we accepted it quickly.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, that's cool. We appreciate you being on with us, Jim. We are going to wrap up our show for the night, but we appreciate you being on with us. No problem, man. It was a fast 90 minutes. It It was, it was a fast 90 minutes. I agree with that. Uh, we will see you guys on Sunday at 3 p.m. Central Time, and we'll do a Final Four show with Steve Heigel. Yep. Y'all have a good night.